Welcome to the Healing Health Podcast. I'm Amber Petty. In this episode, I'll be talking to Professor Mari Botti from Deakin University's Institute for Health Transformation. We sat down to discuss her research around pain management and patient safety. She answers the important question of how do we get patients back on their feet quicker after surgery? So join us now in the conversation. So in this episode, we're going to explore your research on how we can enhance recovery after surgery, which is a very interesting topic. But first, I just wanted to give some context to who you are in your professor role at Deakin, but also your role at Epworth Healthcare. My major role as a professor is to uh, lead the Epworth Healthcare Centre for Quality and Patient Safety Research. So that's a, a joint position between mm. Deakin University and Epworth Healthcare. And I direct the centre for nursing research in particular, where we engage in clinician-originated research mm. around issues in healthcare that affect the health service. Let's talk about your particular research. My research is very much around patient care delivery in acute care environments. So I research areas like patient safety, falls prevention, pain management, and patient experience overall. And in my role, I work with clinicians to try and find solutions for issues in healthcare that affect patient experience. And I supervise students in research programs around that area predominantly. Let's break down some of the parts of the areas that you work with with clinicians. So pain management, what's some of the research that you're finding around pain management and how, I guess, we can be supporting better? Yes. Well, pain management is is actually quite a complex thing to achieve because there isn't really a objective measure of pain and how people experience pain depends on their um, past experience, their expectations, the illness, the, the tissue damage that's involved. Mm. And it can be quite idiosyncratic mm. and, and it's a totally subjective experience. So when clinicians are trying to understand the pain of others, it, it requires an interaction and it requires that patients are able to talk about their pain and often... Patients are asked to give their pain a number on a scale of 0 to 10 and Mm. some people have not done that before and they're not really familiar with scaling their Mm. pain and their experience. And often pain is in hospitals, in acute settings, is treated with opioids and there's often concern about using opioids and fear of addiction and fear that patients will become over-sedated. So we find that... In a lot of circumstances, pain is not well managed in Mm. acute care environments and that patients have unnecessary suffering. And so our role is to try and understand why that happens and to try to come up with solutions that help patients communicate their pain better and clinicians to make better decisions about the pain management that they offer patients in that circumstance. um, What's an example of acute care? Acute care is... Any episode of illness that it can be an episode that is exacerbated from a chronic condition Mm. or it could be an illness that appears spontaneously, something like appendicitis or cholecystitis where patients need to be admitted. Generally, 
people go into hospital because they need full care mm. for a 24-hour period and that care can't be delivered in their own homes. Mm. We do try to keep patients out of hospital because hospitals are not necessarily a safe place for mm. people. There's hospital-acquired infection. Mm. People are in environments where they're not they're not at home and they have a propensity to fall. They can develop pressure injury. Mm. Their mobility is reduced. So as, as in particular older people, they're vulnerable to functional decline mm. when they go into hospital environments. And hospitals are, are very costly places mm. to be. So we encourage people to stay at home and we we are shortening their length of stay in hospital as much as possible. Mm. So tell me about my stay. So... When people go into hospital, they're exposed to a whole lot of different clinicians. They're acutely ill, so they're not well. They're having medications that they're not used to often. They may be, may be recovering from anaesthetic. They're having pain medications. And they're particularly vulnerable in that space. And it's very difficult for people to participate in their care and in their recovery in those sorts of environments. And it's a very unfamiliar place to be. So my stay is a tool, it's, a, it's an app that we've developed that is an attempt to provide people with capability to participate in their own care. Patient participation in care is considered an essential element of high quality care. It's now a national standard. So there is an expectation that health services will involve consumers in their own care and in their recovery. And so We've been trying to find ways to do that, and it's actually not that easy in acute environments. It's been certainly a mainstay of chronic illness management, mm. that people are participants, they understand their illness, and they manage, they self-manage their illness. In acute health, we tend to do things to people rather than with them. And so my stay was developed as a multimedia tool. We recognise that people spend a lot of time on their own in hospital where there is time to give people information but mm. they're not often in a place where they can retain it. If you give lots yeah. of reading, for example, people can't really take that in. But if we put it together in a very explicit, easy-to-manage uh, multimedia app that people can just engage with when they want to, whenever they feel that they can, in small modules where they can take it in in, in just small bites, if you like... What are some of the small bites that are within? Like if I'm, I'm leaving hospital, obviously I've still got an issue and a lot of pain with that. What do I need to know in order to sort of, you know, work with you as a clinician to get better? Yes. Well, in, certainly in hospital, people need to know that they, they can, that there's a certain level of pain where function, they can't function and they can't rehabilitate. Mm. So we, we're very explicit about what that number is mm. and then we encourage people to get, to get assistance. So what we've found is that people are reluctant to use their call bell in hospital because they feel that clinicians are busy, they're going to bother people, that there may be people that are much sicker than they are. Mm. So probably about 11 12% of, of people would use their call bell to notify their nurse that they're in pain. The app tells them why it's important to do that. It's running now for patients having no knee replacement surgery and hip replacement surgery. Oh, wow. And we've Two just developed... Ones. Yeah. What are the... Uh, what's the highest statistics of people having knee or hip? 
injuries uh, or replacements? The number of patients, people having those joint replacements is getting higher. So the frequency is higher and also younger because the, the joints now are lasting longer. And so they're... But knee surgery is actually more painful than hip. So oh, pa- really? people experience more pain with the knee joint replacement. Why? What is it? Because my mother has had several hip replacements. So I feel like I understand that more. And for me, knee surgery, is that is that from um, a fall or is that like, what are, what are the, some of the big reasons why people have to have a knee replacement? Uh, probably the main, very main reason is osteoarthritis. Okay. So it's wearing down of the joint. And, um, and and that can be is that brought on like am, am I more inclined like who is more inclined to have that happen or is it a, a really sort of a physical unknown? Um, it's probably age related. Okay, as pe- people jo- um, just like age the their joints. Yeah, yes. they, okay. um, their joints. But it could be due to to weight and um, sports injuries and other mm. events. But generally, it's a it's a breakdown of the knee joint and um, or hip joint and requires replacement and it's okay. usually at end stage where no other treatment has been successful mm. and they've obviously been in pain a long time yes they've had chronic usually chronic pain condition mm. so and that makes it difficult again in in the pain assessment post-surgery disentangling yeah. that acute pain and many patients feel that they need to be stoic with their knee pain or hip mm. pain after surgery because they feel that there's a means to an end, that now they've had surgery and that, that this is a different sort of pain. But there is some evidence now that if we don't treat the acute post-surgery pain well, that patients can go on to have chronic pain conditions due to that pain. Oh, that's So that's tricky because you're dealing with individual people who are brought up differently in terms of being stoic, I yes. imagine. And also, I know with my mother and her hip replacement, the level of hopefulness going into that mm. um, is pretty high, I think, for most most people. But, but also how you then turn hopefulness into am I being, on, like, you know, honest or you know, that post, you know, pain kind of factor, if you're telling me, is it one to ten? you know, how, how do you know that I'm not just being stoic and saying it's a seven when it's actually a nine and there could be an issue? Mm, That's yeah. difficult. It is difficult. And people have their own motivations for mm. for what they communicate to their clinicians. So um, some people don't want opioids. They don't like the effect that opioids have on them. Tell they, me a bit more about opioids because I've heard a lot of the opioids talked about um, especially in America, mm. um, but I'm not completely across what opioids are and the up and down side effects. Opioids are narcotics. They're uh, very strong pain relief mm. medications. They're is it a panadine fort? Well, panadine fort has codeine, it's got so codeine. that is an opioid. Okay, and generally, the pain relief that's used that's um, opioid based is. Um, oxycodone or endone and that is used for for short periods of time during high acute acuity pain is very very successful in managing that pain Mm. Uh, obviously there are issues there isn't an an opioid epidemic in the united states Mm. um, less so here in australia but um, we do have to be wary about how we use opioids so there there are um, 
strategies in place to reduce that risk by sort of giving um, when we send people home that they have opioids in they have a, a set number of mm, tablets prescription yeah yeah that they're not given a, a huge box of opioid and then to store for for later and yes. um, those sorts of things. So um, I think opioids are managed very well post-operatively here. In Australia, given that they're managed. Yes. Um, And I believe that we should be using them as required and that people shouldn't be having um, high levels of pain after surgery. And so are you saying that people, because of the bad publicity that opioids has gotten, much of it probably trickling from America – do you think that that's giving people fear that they're denying themselves uh, the good side of the opioids, <laughs> given the fact that it's monitored in this country um, and sitting in a lot of pain because of that fear? Uh, I think there's always been a fear of using opioids. Yeah. Um, even before. Even before. Right. It's, it's been a long. No, um, it's been known for a while that people do fear becoming addicted. I think there's always a risk that if you don't monitor ongoing use yeah. that um, people could become dependent on, on the opioids. Yeah. But really um, what we try to do postoperatively is, ba- is try to use as little as we can of yeah. opioid but manage patients' pain appropriately. So yeah. we use um, Panadol and anti-inflammatories mm. immediately after surgery, sometimes within surgery. And Panadol and anti-inflammatory medications are very, very successful post-operatively, and they are opioid-sparing, which means that you can use less opioid. And then it's about good pain assessment immediately post-operatively and then watching that pain trajectory get less and less as as people recover. Mm. So it's, it's... about good management, really. Mm. So, what are what are the other areas within my stay that you're, you know, working with clinicians and obviously them working with patients in order to, you know, yeah. have that sort of post surgery, you know, more effective and mm. recovery, so, you know, greater. Yes. So, what we've done is we've sort of co- we've co-designed the my, my stay with clinicians and patients. Mm-hmm. We've asked them what they need, mm. what they would like to know. We've looked at the care path that should be. Um, happening with patients and then we've integrated that into these modules so the app essentially has several different sections Mm. that patients can go into as they need them so for example we have a one section on pain management one on preparing for discharge um, to going home Mm. Uh, one section is simply on the goals for the day so that um you can open the my stay and it's day two after your surgery and it gives you quite explicit, easily to, easy to follow goals for, for the day for mm. you to manage while you're in hospital. What kind of things does that say? So it's very simple. It's, it's about how far you should be walking today, what's going to happen, mm. sitting out of bed, say, for one meal. Mm. Uh, it's all part of um, providing the patients with a plan for the day that they can then control for themselves Mm. so for example if they feel that they could sit out of bed for lunch they can use their call bell Mm. and let the nurse know that they would like to sit out rather than perhaps waiting hospitals are very busy places yes i was just thinking all of that yeah and patients can get inconsistent information um 
you know, uh, nurses may not have time to go back in. If patients can't feel that they can control their recovery, they know what they should be doing for the day, yeah. that, that they can then um, actually manage it themselves and, and call for help when they need it. Yeah, because I was thinking also, you know, people's level of... Um, because there is, you know, hospitals are so busy and chaotic... And also, I think, you know, once you once you have a specialist or clinician come to you and they're telling you all sorts of things and you're trying to remember what to ask them and you're trying to retain, you know, the information, sometimes yeah. the basics can just literally go, now, what did they say about that? Did she say that I should be sitting out of bed for, you know, a, a meal or did she say not to? Yes. Yeah. That's right. That, that's really good. So when you're sort of in a calmer space, you can go and say, okay, day two, oh, no, I can be doing that or this is what I can expect. Yes. Yeah, and not everybody's the same, mm. and we make that very clear yeah. in the my state. But, but, but we we sort of say most patients on day two are able to do this, mm. and that gives the person uh, a, a sense of control over their recovery. Mm. And an, another very important module is mm. the exercise animations. So we've animated the exercises that they should be doing to rehabilitate that joint. So what we've done is we've, um, we've asked the physiotherapist to um, act out those exercises and then we, our animator has animated them. So the patient can then go, into the, go to the exercises. So even though they may see the physio every day, mm. um, they don't remember the exercises. They don't remember how often they should be doing yeah. them. And so this, this uh, MyStay just goes through them with them. Yeah. So there's a voice text and um, animation that they so whatever they prefer mm. it's there for them and I would imagine from so from the clinician side um, like say for, for or, or, or from the phys- physio side for something like that the exercise I would imagine again, like, you know I'm using personal references but one thing that I would imagine that clinicians and specialists get a lot of or you know all hospital staff is um, is the patient desperately going where are they waiting for them to walk past can you tell me that again I Mm. need you I need you which is really kind of like funneling everything into that very busy person Mm. which is also probably a lot just to do with general fear and also a feeling of being you know disempowered my body's letting me down and all of those kind of things so what was once an empowered you is probably a very different you know version Mm. so being able to go into something and go Oh, okay. Yep, okay. And, and from what I was going to say, from the physio or the clinician to say, it's all there, you know, go and have a look at it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that the, the MyStay is giving people the capability. They, can, they don't have to try to commit everything to memory, as yeah, you say. Yeah, totally. It, they know it's all there for them yeah. and they can access it whenever they like. What we really need, though, for true participation to happen yeah. is that they they are given the opportunity to participate. So it is important for um, clinicians, for nurses, physios, to, to access the MyStay with the patients mm. at, at some point. Yes. And to say, look, this is here and we're here to help you achieve mm. this. Mm-hmm. And so don't feel that you can't call us because we look like we're busy. And we're not just um, saying, here's an app, off you go, good luck with all of that. That's right. Yeah. The, this is to give you the sense of what's happening for the day Yeah. so that then you can work with us. And yeah. you know, and to make those important connections, because when we um, when we try when we implemented it and we we trialed it, mm. we found that people 
you know, generally if, if their pain is high and they're trying to mobilise, mm. they're worried that they're doing some damage mm-hmm. to their new joint. Yeah. So they stop mobilising. Yes. And uh, we actually did trial. We, we ran a randomised control trial when we first implemented the knee joint uh, replacement mystay. So some patients received it and others didn't. Yeah. Tell, me, yeah, we, tell me a bit about some of the real, ex- you know, the examples that you've got that of these trials. Yes. Yeah, so this this trial um, gave us the opportunity to randomly allocate patients so mm-hmm. that there were no other factors that might bias the findings. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we were able to see how people behave in relation to the key goals of recovery. Mm-hmm with or without the MyStay assistance. Mm. And what we found was that patients who did have access to the MyStay had less pain during their um, hospitalisation. They were much more satisfied with their care. They had a better experience overall and they were much more likely to um, recommend that hospital, that health service to their family and friends for their their surgery. And, And very interestingly, they had one less day of hospitalization oh wow so what that so what that told us was that there was some impact of the mice day and when we interviewed patients as well and we interviewed both the patients that had the mice day and those who didn't Mm. and those who had the mice day were just much more um, activated in their recovery Mm. they understood their goals Mm. they understood how much activity they should be doing Mm. they had a better understanding of their exercises and really interestingly they could articulate the connection between having good pain management and being able to do Mm. their exercises and mobilize Mm. what we were hearing from the patients without the mice day was a lot of sort of ambiguity about what they could be doing Mm. Um, certainly reluctance to mobilize too much Mm. to move or walk if they had a lot of pain and, and they preferred to wait until they could see their surgeon. Oh, and I can totally, I mean, thankfully, touch wood, I've never been in that situation, but I can, you know, yeah. I, I can now see absolutely, like, the risk factor or being brave and or both with yes. doing that if you're not 100% sure that, you, yes. that that's what they said and that this feels right. Is this the right thing? Yes, moving yeah. on this pain and this delicate area is what I'm supposed to be doing. I yeah. can really see how you go, I'm not going to risk that. Yes, Exactly. Because none of them would want to be in any more pain than the poor things have already been in. And they don't want to risk the success of their surgery. How will you change tomorrow? Design a future beyond your own. Design a future that makes a difference. Deakin's research students are the best and the brightest with access to global leading researchers, world-class facilities, industry partnerships and innovative research centres designing cutting-edge solutions that make an impact. Become a change maker. Become a Deakin Research student. To discover more, go to deakin.edu.au slash research. Deakin, more than a university. What are your visions for a world that has a better surgery recovery Right. I think we would definitely like to keep developing them. I think mm. They're getting better every time we mm. do them. So we've, we've just developed the MyStay for cardiac surgery, which again captures more we're better at working with patients to make sure that we're incorporating material that they need. Mm. So I think we'll we'll get better at them. Mm. Um, so you'll keep branching out to different surgeries. surgeries? Yeah. Yeah, we certainly will. And we definitely want to branch 
out towards covering the whole journey of recovery rather than that focusing on the um, like a generic a generic recovery piece um more, more so the the journey so the People should receive, ideally receive the MyStay before they come into hospital yeah, so they've right, had a chance yes. to understand what's going to happen. Yep. And then they should be able to take it home and it um, hopefully guides them through their recovery at home. At home. And certainly there's the trends overseas are showing that patients are going to stay less and less. I mean, you know, for joint replacement, hip replacement surgery, patients overseas are going home same day, second wow. or, or the next day. And I think the trends are, are pretty much and that's, happening here. And that's down to the, to things such as you know what's in my stay and the and the guidance and. Um, I think it's more to do with trying to keep people out of hospitals and send them home earlier and okay. give them home supports. I see. But yes. in that, that means that tools like my stay are even more important. Mm. Um, so because people will have to rely on their understanding of their recovery when mm. they're at home. And so um, we see the movement now towards um, developing these mystays for the whole journey um, until they they've fully recovered from mm. their surgery. Mm. So we're working towards um, extending the mystays. So originally the mystay was about mystay in hospital, mm. and now we're looking towards a, a my recovery um, trajectory, so that people can take these with them and um, and use them. And who do you need to support you on on that to get that across the line? <laughs> well, they're not they're not cheap to develop, as yeah, you can no. imagine, yeah, because yeah. there's um, there's a lot of cost in the animations. Mm. There's a cost in producing them. So what we do before we develop them is we we systematically review the best available evidence about recovery, so that mm. we're giving so it's good an advice. Yeah. We then have to test the, that content with clinicians to make sure that clinicians agree with that trajectory. Mm. And then yeah, we incorporate right. it into a language that then is well understood, so then yes. we have to test it with patients. And that's a whole thing in itself, isn't it, working out language that appeals to um, a range of, I mean, obviously you've probably got a, a certain demographic that's the, the higher higher end of, um, you know, who uses this, but essentially there are also different cultures and, you know, exactly. language is a very big thing, isn't it? Exactly. And and we, at the moment, they're English-speaking um, modules, but we can, we... Um, well, I even mean the tone and the words use, used. Oh, um, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the language... Definitely, and now we're hoping to incorporate multi make them more multicultural, yeah. so that they can we got a bit bigger reach for them as yeah. well. But then again, you have to test them and make sure that yeah. they are acceptable yeah, to yeah. people that are hearing them and that they do communicate the way we expect they do. And mm. so, there's certainly the development costs, yeah. and then we we need to research them and make sure that they are achieving what we think they're achieving yeah so will your so will your research um you know ongoing research um with my stay is that something that you need you want you know funding for either from government or individuals like how where does the money come that you need i think from government is an obvious yes um source because they will they are augmenting care and Mm. enhancing care but and you're providing um, a really good solution. Yes, uh, we believe they're a very good solution yeah. to helping people participate in their recovery. Mm. And then, of course, we are always seeking research funding to actually test them okay. and see whether we are, in fact, enhancing recovery. Mm. 
so that you can you know, further bolster your argument yes. towards government. Well, yeah. fantastic, I- incredible work, and thank you for breaking it down into uh, digestible pieces for me and anyone listening. It's thank been you, lovely to chat to you, Murray. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining in the conversation with us about our healthcare system. If you'd like more information on any of the topics or researchers in this series, simply head to iht.deakin.edu.au.